This is the ID Fanatic Podcast Season 2, coming to you from beautiful Midtown Toronto on Tuesday, October 5th, 2021. The podcast where we talk to innovators who are trying to push the needle of ID into the 21st century using everything at their disposal from AI to neuroscience to old-fashioned flashcards. Are the gimmicks, will they last, or will they go the way of the video disc? We'll see, but on the way, get ready to get hot and heavy about things like wobble boards, internal audio loops, and backprop. My guest this month, since we've moved to a monthly format, is Mike Cheney of Cape Town, South Africa. Mike is the head of sales for CoachBit, an app I got very excited about when I first encountered it this summer, as I was surfing for coaching solutions for my son, who's been diagnosed with ADHD. I had landed on coaching for study skills, also known as ADHD coaching or academic coaching, as a way of supporting him that didn't at the same time stigmatize him. He doesn't really think he has ADHD, and I'm not so sure myself. So putting him into the usual situations with psychologists or whatnot or experimenting with medications didn't really feel like the right thing to do. A coach, on the other hand, would be someone in his corner supporting him in a positive way building on his many strengths instead of emphasizing his weaknesses. So, you wouldn't believe how hard this is to find. Everyone I talked to was counseling me like an amateur neuropsychologist. He lacks executive function skills, they would say. His frontal lobe just doesn't work. He's lacking in organization. Well, excuse me, but everyone lacks organization skills. It's not a pathology. It's part of being human. We all have to learn those things, and it's hard because people naturally want to do what's easy, especially when they're teens. And everyone was saying negative things about his skills and abilities when they didn't even know him. That sent up multiple red flags for me. This one woman wouldn't stop talking about what a good listener she was. Coach Pitt was a relief from this. It was founded by Nick Miller, a young guy who trained as an engineer, not an instructional designer at all, but a bit of an entrepreneur. He started a tutoring company and found himself hitting the wall of kids who couldn't or wouldn't do what was good for them. Not doing homework, cramming, never going to bed or waking up on time, things like that. Typical kid stuff. So he did a bunch of research and somehow isolated the concept that these bad habits were even more significant for academic success than the tutoring part. So he developed an app, CoachBit in which coaches are matched with kids and contact them once a day via text or voice messaging for 15 minutes rather than an hour a week, as is typical for academic coaches. Rather than focusing on schoolwork, they slowly train them on using the app itself, and the app has tools to help them get better at creating routines for themselves. Those in turn support success at school. The technique of instructing daily bit by bit, in small doses, over a long period of time, as an instructional design technique is something we rarely see, except in apps that use smartphones, because the technology wasn't available before. It occurred to me, though, that CoachBit might be the wrong name. I'm guessing Nick named the app after the Fitbit. Instead of fitness, it's about coaching, but the incremental feedback content is the same. I've been trying to get my son to use it, and he still resists because he doesn't think he needs a coach. Even the word coaching can have some stigma attached because it implies you lack motivation or certain abilities. But what I really think it is at its core is a time management app. And when you position it that way, I don't think anyone would argue that's something they don't need a little bit of help with. 
So Nick, if you're rebranding or doing an adult version of the app, consider Timebit. I could show you some of that. And now after that long-winded intro, here's me and Mike. So we're finding a, a large portion of the students that we are really connecting with across the world are probably between the grades of seventh and 10th grade. That's probably the like yeah, yeah. big bracket of, of kids that we're working with primarily. So they're paired with a coach, and the, but the coach isn't actually tutoring them. Yes. Uh, they're sort of leading them. They're sort of their guide in terms of using the app and the app itself has a calendar system so that they can put, uh, you know, their tests and things in there mm. that are coming up. Uh, a flashcard system, which is based on Pomodoro technique. So it's a timed, focused. No, no, that's that's the uh, focus that's timer. That's the focus timer. So yes. The focus Space timer is it. based on Pomodoro. So it's timed, yes. focused uh, yes. studying. And all it is really just you set a timer and decide uh, that that's when you're going to study. And then it, it goes off and you're allowed to take a break yes and yes. then the third part is the flashcard system where you um, put in what subjects you have and then you can create your own flashcards just sort of a front and back sort of question answer thing mm. uh, for your subject and then test yourself on it and when you're testing yourself on it it uses spaced repetition uh, correct to to optimize the value of that right yeah, so those are the those are the primary tools that we've built into the CoachBit platform. Uh, the primary value that students are getting from coaching, though, I would say, sits outside of those tools. Oh, yeah. So those tools are, are helpful and supplementary, but by and large, the primary value that students are getting when they're getting paired with a coach is that their coach is ultimately helping them build out and implement a series of routines that they then to learn to run throughout their day-to-day -day, and those routines ultimately address the executive functioning gaps that they have and so things like structuring and implementing a strong morning routine for example maybe feels indirectly disconnected from your academics but the truth is that when you start your morning off well there's so much that you can do there that either positively or negatively impacts how you go into the rest of your academic day and so that's part of it and looking at how you study and learn effectively is part of it and so the tools come into that yeah. but ultimately the crux of what's happening here in coachbit is a student's connected with a one-on-one -on -one coach who works with them every day to help them build out a series of habits and in turn routines that then help them build out their executive functioning skills. Yeah. So there's uh, the morning routine, mm -hmm. uh, the study routine, uh, the an organization and planning routine, routine and a bedtime routine. Yeah. 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 So four core routines initially that take about six months to build out. So from an instructional design point, standpoint, as an instructional yeah. designer, um, yeah. it's interesting, both that time frame and the, the approach that you have, which is a daily uh, touch Check point. In. Yes. Well, I guess it's just weekdays. Yes. Yeah. Weekday, daily touch point with the kids, that's like 10 to 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. Yes. As opposed to like what my son is doing now is he has a coach and they meet for an hour, an hour. Mm. 
either a week or even even uh, later, either no, no less than or less even less than that. The mm. idea of the frequent short interactions mm. and the focus on small steps to be done one at a time, yes. and then building that up over time, yes, uh, is a very interesting from an instructional design point. I don't know if you can talk to that at all. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. We've found that there are two primary challenges that that anyone, not just a teenager, faces when they're wanting to build a new skill or behavior. The first challenge that you face is a typical mistake that we all make when we're trying to start something new or improve something. And that mistake is to try and take on too much at once or to try and change too much too quickly. And as a result, our change effort is inconsistent. So for example, we get really excited in the first week, we do a whole lot. And then by week two, because we've taken on so much, we can't sustain that. Our motivation fizzles out. And so therefore the change isn't long lasting. So that's the first challenge. The second is around the implementation of those skills and behaviors. So we often get to this point where we feel like I know what I should be doing. I know what I want to do, but I just can't seem to get myself to do it. And what we've seen with an approach that is less frequent than the one we've used. So for example, when you meet with somebody only once a week for an hour at a time, what happens often in those spaces is you meet with somebody and they're telling you the things you need to change, teaching you about the techniques you should be using. And maybe even in that time, you're thinking to yourself, that's great. I should definitely do that. And then they send you out into the rest of the week to implement those changes on your own. And so then the burden of implementation is with the person who's already struggling with implementation. And that's often where the wheels start to fall off because we end up in a space where we feel like, oh, I can't remember exactly what I was meant to do again or how it was meant to work, or I'm not, I don't know what I should be looking for to tell whether I'm getting it right or not. And so at that point, it's really easy to become demotivated or to give up. And so for those key reasons, we have decided to go the way of short but frequent interactions, because what that does is it reduces the burden on trying to cover so much information in any one session because you're able to break it up. And then you're able to ensure that the implementation is happening because it's not a whole week before I see you again. I'm seeing you practically every day and literally helping you implement the next step one at a time. A lot of that is linked to um, work done by two people in particular, James Clear, who wrote Atomic Habits, and then Professor B.J. Fogg, who's a professor at Stanford University, uh, wrote a book called Tiny Habits. And both speak to the power of behavior transformation through the form of building things in tiny incremental steps that are habitual. And so that's a lot of where the instructional design has been kind of built off of is the recognition that that helps us overcome those two big challenges. So there's also been a lot of thought that's gone into figuring out that these daily routines are so important and mm. what they should be comprised of. Do you know anything yeah. about that development process? Sure. So, I mean, beyond the work of James Clear and Professor Fogg, we've also drawn on thought leaders, for example, like Carl Newport, um, who's written Deep Work. Um, and for example, Carl talks about in his book, the importance of how 
in this day and age with so much happening around us and all the technology and all the noise and all the distractions that the value of being able to focus intensely on something for an extended period of time is rapidly becoming um, is scarce and at the same time is also becoming really valuable because so few people can do that. And so as an example, there are a number of things that it promote your ability to focus intensely on something for an extended period of time. One of those things obviously is eliminating distractions, but there is a whole lot more around things like improving your sleep quality and how you organize the thoughts and work that you need to get to that speak to your ability to do that well. Ultimately, more and more what the students of today are being required of when they leave high school and college is to be knowledge workers, right? And so to be an effective knowledge worker ultimately is to be able to work on something intensely for an extended period of time because that's how you produce the best quality of work. And so knowing that, that's informed many of the habits and routines we've chosen to prioritize, particularly in the first six months. Because it's meant that even if a student doesn't, you know, they only did the first six months with us, they would have had at least the opportunity to establish a set of foundational routines that will set them up to do deep work really well, as an example. And there are obviously other things, but that's, that's one of the key ones. And how do you keep these sessions from going beyond the 15 minutes? Like the kid says, oh, I... I don't want to talk about that. I need help in this right now. <laughs> Good question. It's not like a counseling session. So we don't get to the end of 15 minutes and we go, oh, sorry, your time's up. So we're done now. Um, there is relative flexibility there. And, you know, there are going to be some days where the, the student's able to grasp the step really quickly. And so it may take less than 15 minutes. And then other days where we're covering a particularly complex concept. And so maybe it takes slightly longer than that. The coach's job is to work with the student in that session until we get to the natural end point of, okay, great, that's, that's kind of where we've got to for today. And so, again, particularly in those first six months where we're establishing the foundation of their executive functioning abilities, we've got quite a clear idea of how to build that out sequentially. And so their coach is helping kind of guide them through that process. And, and that allows us to keep them fairly focused on that. But it's equally important to maintain that level of engagement to make sure that the coach is juggling both, right? That they're creating space to connect with the student and build rapport. And that's going to mean that they're connecting and talking through things yeah. in their sessions that are beyond just, hey, this is today's task. So as an example, we've spoken a bit about the study routine. So one of the pre-study habits that we get students to implement is every time they, move, they step into a space where they're going to be studying, one of their pre-study habits is to eliminate distractions from their dedicated study space. And so their coach is going to have been talking to them up until that point all about the importance of eliminating distractions, how we do that. They're going to have identified the more common distractions that this particular student is struggles with. And so they'll get to a point where they are ready to help them implement that habit of eliminating distractions. And they'll say, okay, today's the first day we're going to be implementing this new habit. And so what I want you to do is I want you to go and eliminate all those distractions from your dedicated study space. And then I want you to take a photo of that dedicated study space and send it to me. And that's their task is to take the photo and send it to their coach. And what that does is two things. One, it 
creates an accountability loop to make sure that there is actually implementation of the theory that they're covering. But it then also provides an opportunity for the coach to help evaluate with the student go, I, I see your phone is still in or still on your desk. And that's yeah. going to be a major distraction. Let's talk about how we help you eliminate that, for example. So that would be an example of how that task would tie into each day's session. And every day would be um, would work like that. Every time they did a next step, it would basically be attached to a task that helps them follow through on that. So this sort of complements the tutoring business, I suppose. Totally. And I would, I, I mean, in our experience, we would say it probably does the, the long-term support that, that tutoring isn't able to get to. So tutoring is really amazing for short-term support in terms of I missed a concept in class or I was sick for two weeks. And so I missed a bunch of math and now I don't understand. And so I need somebody to reteach that to me. And one-on-one tutoring is really effective to do that because it's one-on-one. And so that's really great for the short term. But ultimately, if I as a student don't develop these kind of skills that allow me to learn for myself, then for as long as I want to be organized, I have to perpetually get in a short term support option to kind of provide that structure that I can't provide for myself. And that's where coaching comes in. And so when you couple those two, your tutor is able to maximize the value they're able to offer the student when the student has these habits in place already, where they're already knowing how to focus better and study and remember all of that helps just boost what's being covered in the tutoring session. So they absolutely work as a, as a kind of symbiotic relationship. Well, it seems like if you had clones of yourself, you could probably make this a productivity app for home workers. That's for sure. And, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, or or I, even I maybe a cessation of, uh, you know, smoking, stopping smoking and things like that. <laughs> well, look, I think that's the thing, right? Is that it's the, the work that we're doing, we've, we've focused it on executive functioning, but technically you can apply the methodology to any kind of behavior change you want to make. And I mean, in terms of we've, again, we've chosen to focus on fifth graders through to college level, but there are 30, 40, 50 year old working professionals who are struggling with organization and time management and focus. And so um, there's definitely scope there to expand what we're doing to that kind of bracket. Um, So it's, it's applicable there for sure. And I mean, everybody in the coach bit team, we all go through the coaching program ourselves, not because not just because it's helpful for us to know what's happening on the ground, but because legitimately when we're applying the same routines that we're teaching our students to, we get, we reap the same rewards, right? Yeah. Having a strong morning routine is beneficial whether you're 14 or 40. What can you tell me about Nick's background? How, how he. So Nick. And because because Nick a is... lot of people have coaching companies, right? Yeah. And a lot of people might say, Oh gosh, if only they were awake when they were, I was coaching them, that would be great. Right. <laughs> yeah. But then to take that, you know, idea and evolve it into something like this, you know, how, how does that, you know, what's in, well, in I his think, background or whatever to, to cause yeah, that well, to happen? Sure. Well, I think, um, you know, Nish, so, so Nick studied to be an engineer and I think by design engineers are problem solvers. Um, so I think that's part of it. Um, I think part of it is Nick's married to, to a teacher, well, an, an, an ex-high school teacher. And so that definitely has an influence. But then 
particularly, and I think this is probably most important and, and probably has played the biggest influence here, is that Nick has two young children. And if you speak to Nick, he'll tell you that one of the biggest reasons why he ended up creating CoachBit is because he looked at the education system in its current state and just realized that there is this massive gap between what the system provides and what the world requires beyond that system. And that there is the, just this massive deficit between those two. And so to ensure that when his children are at the age where they need to go through that kind of educational training, that there is a better option for them, that's been his biggest motivator. So no instructional design background. Uh, well, other than the engineering work, which obviously would have included some, some instructional design, um, no, no specific like background, but there is a team around him, right? And yeah. so uh, at CoachBit and at Teach Me Too, actually, one of, the, one of the kind of big values for us is this core value of wiser when teaming, this belief that on your own, you can produce quite good quality, even excellent work, but ultimately we function at our best when we function as a team. And so there are a number of really phenomenal individuals that are part of our team here who have been able to help contribute, who do have more specifically instructional design backgrounds. Um, for example, um, the head of product at CoachBit has his PhD in behavioral science, for example. And so he's obviously had a really big influence in how we've started to create and build out the different routines and what that looks like. Yeah, that comes through. So let me give our listeners some background. Uh, my son is in grade 12 now. And uh, a couple of years ago, he got a diagnosis of ADHD. But he and I have a background in cognitive science. And I wasn't really sold. I wasn't I wasn't I don't necessarily deny that he has ADHD in some way. But he also, I, I also don't see a terrific deficit in executive function, which is how mm. most people describe it. Mm. Uh, and when you talk about them having a lack of executive function skills, I would maybe argue that and say they have the capabilities. It's just that hasn't been directed properly sure. uh, or, or coached as, as, yes. as this oh. app is doing, because if mm. they didn't have the skills, then you wouldn't have any results. Sure. Um, and with a lot of, you know, cognitive, not necessarily deficits, but skills that we don't do well, it's not that we can't do them well, it's just that we haven't been coached haven't or been trained yeah. uh, properly, or those, sometimes those parts of the brain aren't, uh, aren't being activated when they should be, and they need to be woken mm. up. Mm. Um, anyway, so for my son, he definitely felt that it was, uh, you know, something that he was resisting. Uh, any kind of classification and uh, he didn't feel that he had a problem and he does well in mm. school it's not like he mm. doesn't do well in school and he has self-esteem issues or anything like that so none of that is happening so it's an atypical mm. case uh, yeah for sure i i think you raise an important point the i would say probably the majority of students who come to us particularly initially are in a space where they're feeling pretty demotivated because they have been struggling for such a long time and, and they haven't been getting things right. They, their self-esteem has often taken a knock. They're pretty defiant at this point because they, and many of them are in that like pre-adolescent to adolescent space. And so part of what's happening alongside all of this is they're trying to find their own independence. And the last thing they want to hear from is a parent 
And so a it's, it's a, this like perfect storm of things that leave them in a space where they're pretty anti anything that isn't what's come immediately from them. Like, oh, I definitely want to do that. And so I think to come back to the, the instructional design bit is that one of the great things about how tiny habits works is often we assume that motivation is the cause of a challenge. Ah, you're not motivated and therefore you're not doing something. But in our experience, more often than not, motivation is the symptom or the result of not being clear on what you need to do. So as an example, many students will be really passionate about playing video games. And one of the reasons why video games are so effective at keeping us hooked, even when they get difficult, is because they don't start us at level 40. They start us at level naught and teach yeah. us one step at a time. You do this, then you do this, then you do this, then you win. So that even though, or even when the, the level gets difficult, I am clear on what I should be doing. And so I know that if I just keep practicing, if I just keep investing time, that eventually I'll win and I'll get better at it. If you juxtapose that with uh, your experience of the school system, often what happens is we put somebody into a space where we're throwing tons of information at them, but we don't teach them how to succeed at learning that. And so, of course, they're demotivated because they're not clear on what they should be doing in order to succeed. And so to come back to the point of, well, we see so many students who are already reluctant and demotivated, how we get around that challenge is by making the effort required really small, by, by making the step really tiny, you remove motivation from the equation almost entirely because the less effort something requires, the less motivation you need to do it. And so part of how we help students who are particularly reluctant get over that initial inertia is by making things tiny because what happens is you complete this tiny step because it's so doable. And when that happens, you, you get a small sense of accomplishment and a win. And some of that motivation builds. If you can repeat that the next day, that builds on the previous day. And you can create this positive snowball that allows you to start to take on more challenging things. Um, and so that obviously, I, at least in my experience, there isn't a magic silver bullet. One system fixes everything. And so I think we would be remiss to say, everybody is going to benefit from this one thing because i i don't think you can say that of anything um but i think what you what what is worth saying is that um i think for a large percentage of parents we can often feel like our children are not succeeding because they're lazy or in other words they don't have the motivation and more often than not that's actually a symptom of the fact that they don't know how or what they should be doing in order to succeed. And if they were clearer on that, then motivation would be less of a problem or not a problem at all. All right. And on that note, I think our time is up and uh, oh. I think we've covered off most everything. Yeah. That's great. Well, thanks a lot, Mike. No problem. Appreciate thanks for you the coming opportunity. On. It's a pleasure. And uh, yeah, me. no, this is a, uh, it's it's a it's an interesting approach and it's the kind of thing that you can only do since the invention of smartphones because your interaction is daily and it's short and it's text or it's audio messages back and forth uh, so what i like about it also is that it's sort of in their world uh as opposed to in the adult world sort of coming at them <laughs> hindsighting yeah. them from in from somewhere they already are yeah 
Yeah, and it's something that couldn't have existed before this, like because it's totally. an app. So, yeah. So that's encouraging for in terms of uh, the role of technology and instructional design, uh, and the different things we can do, and sort of opening up different possibilities of uh, of what you can do with the technology that we have. Absolutely, absolutely. Mitch, thanks, thanks so a much lot. for having me on. It's been great. Great. Talk to you later. Yeah. Ciao. The ID Fanatic drops the first Tuesday of the month. Subscribe to make sure you don't miss an episode. And I invite you to join my LinkedIn page, ID Fanatic, where you'll find my blog and links to free online events of interest. I'll be posting some blogs in the next few weeks on the subject of the future of artificial intelligence in learning and development. So I hope you'll enjoy those as well. You can contact me, Mitch Moldovsky, on LinkedIn. And I hope that you and yours have a totally awesome week. Bye-bye-bye.